Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting and our very responsible, socially distanced holiday spectacular. It continues. It yes. continues and ends today <laughs> so yes. at the same time. It's over. <laughs> we did it far apart. We did it far apart. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jill Chacha and I'm with uh, very responsible uh, Marissa Riley. Oh, thank you. Is this in regards to my... Uh, New Year's presents, aka my delayed uh, Christmas presents. Just that just makes you great. Yeah, you're giving us shit. Yeah, you're giving your friends shit. Giving my friends stuff. Many days late. Um, <laughs> and calling it New Year's. I think we should all just start giving gifts on New Year's because because um, I want to. Yeah. No rules anymore. No rules. Fuck the rules. No rules. I think I I love the idea of giving gifts on. New Year's Eve, that seems like a really cool tradition. I think it's funner because, you know, you got a bunch of stuff or not. I don't know. (laughs) You think it's over. And then you get what I think is the best part of Christmas, which is Mm. stuff. And um, (laughs) that's that's the meaning of Christmas. Yeah, it's stuff. Uh, It's not about um, love, love, no, No. or sympathy. Do you like how I'm clawing in the dark for <laughs> what the meaning of Christmas is? I, I don't know. The oh, only I, Christmas movie I watched this year was something called Krampus. And the only reason I watched it is because Tony Collette was... <laughs> Damn right. Watch anything with Tony Collette in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah she so. could be in a car commercial and I'll watch that four times in a row. <laughs> I thought you said... She could, thought, she could, I, she could, she could <laughs> sell me a Chevy. <laughs> I honestly thought he said she could be in a car crash. Oh, <laughs> I can watch okay. It. Here's the thing: she cannot be in a no, car crash. No. If you are her driver and you're listening, you're for sure not. I thought she has um, a driver. She doesn't have a driver. She might have a driver. She might have, when she comes to New York, she might have a guy. <laughs> a driver guy. A driver guy. A driver Paul. Guy. Yes. He drives Paul. her around. Polly. Polly. Good old Polly. <laughs> he drives her around. If you're Polly, uh, take good care of my Tony Collette. I need her in many more movies uh, for the rest of my life, as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. Please, Polly. Um, obey all the speed limits and such. Uh, mm. What uh, what gifts? What, oh, uh... so uh, I was super excited this year. I went to give the gift of self-care. Yeah. Uh, there's not really anything funny about this. But um, <laughs> I, I wanted to give It's friends, understandable, though. It's understandable to give the yeah, gift of self-care. Fucking soap, candles, body oils, all that stuff. Um, but instead of doing a fucking Sephora gift card, which uh, I think we all did in our like, early 20s, me and my friends, um, I wanted to Or just find, stole shit. Stole shit for each other. Or just stole shit for each other. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to find a business that was uh, black owned and I did and it was badass. Uh, It's owned by a black woman and uh, it's called Soap Distillery and they make soap. A, that's affordable. Amazing. Yeah, please. Done there. Need that. And uh, it's soap that smells like cocktails. Oh my God. (laughs) Brilliant. Oh my God. We're going to buy a ton of stuff. They have like a bourbon candle. They have like whiskey soaps. They have like. 
Dear uh, Lord. What was it? They had like mojito soap. So I'm freaking excited to send those gift cards. That sounds amazing. What is it called again? Soap Distillery. Soap Distillery. And out, out of Chicago. Of, out of Chicago. Oh my God. Uh, amazing. Good I, people. I've just been rubbing bourbon on me directly. There you <laughs> so, go. <laughs> she dabs it behind at you. Yeah, no, now I can do it class, class, more classier way. And more classier. Yes. Thank God. All right. Well. That should be the name oh, of our, our future network. More classier. More classier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, where are we? Uh, in betweeny, zero sixteen. Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about some holiday shit traditions. Yeah. Um, we're gonna talk about how America got nine one one. What a holiday tradition! <laughs> that's right. Calling and, an ambulance. That's right. On a holiday, classic and, America. Totally classic. And why KFC is a Christmas tradition in Japan. Not surprised, but I am curious. Why? <laughs> why 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 KFC? <laughs> Nothing yes. against KFC, but I'm like Specifically. How did yeah. this one get through? Yeah. We're gonna get all into that goodness. Uh all right, let's begin. You know, let's begin with the domestic portion of our episode in the good old US of A. Yes. Um now the 911 Association, N-E-N-A, reports an estimated 280 million emergency calls are made each year. Yay! Yeah. And you guessed it, a large portion of those calls are made during the holidays. Of course. Yes. Uh, but it may come as a surprise, the emergency number Americans have come to know and love and use wasn't always around. In fact, it's a completely new thing that was developed in the late 1960s. That fresh. I guess the that phone fresh. hasn't been around that long, but but interesting. The very 60s. fresh. Right? The 60s. Yeah. yeah. Uh, todayifoundout.com reports, quote, before the 1960s, the United States didn't have one universal phone number for Americans to call if they needed help from the police or fire department. Callers simply had to know... <laughs> The phone number for each department in the area they were currently in. Oh my god! And no. yeah, and you know they put it. You had to put it on your fridge, probably. So if you're like bleeding out, yes, you would have to first claw your way to the fridge, yes, and then you would have to claw your way to the phone, yes, which is not uh, attached to your hand, no, at all times, not at all. There, it's probably in another room. Yeah, it might be on nowhere a wall. near the fridge. Yeah. Nowhere near the fridge. It's like there's only one in the house. God. Someone's probably using it. Those fuckers. Of course. Okay. Uh, where are we? Yes. And it, and it was even more confusing if you lived in large cities like New York or L.A. Phone numbers were different from zip code to zip code or county to county. Quote, Los Angeles, for example, had 50 different police departments and just as many phone numbers. End wow. quote. So you can imagine if you're just going about your day, getting groceries in another part of town, and you find yourself in need of help, you better know the number to the department you needed. Yeah. Now, if you didn't, which who the fuck knows numbers? Of course. Uh, you called the only universal number at the time, and it was zero for an operator. Nice. Uh, now, these poor souls had to deal with an enormous variety of incoming calls, like simple connections to like your local pharmacy or stores or old-timey person-to-person connections. Oh, yeah, right? person-to-person. Uh, and then there would be horrific shit, like connecting a car accident victim to the nearest hospital, which meant asking a lot of questions to someone who's probably in shock. Yeah. Now, needless to say, all of these types of calls merging into one system 
yeah, this might cause a delay in receiving help. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Or even getting an available operator on the line to begin with. Yeah. Um, so back in 1957, the problem got so intense that the last straw had been reached with the National Fire Chiefs Association. Mm. The union was like, we need a national emergency number. We definitely do. What the fuck? I would agree. Shit be all crazy. You just want to help. Yeah. And they can't. So America did what America does and responds to a crisis in an organized and logical manner in which a non-political issue is solved non-politically. I'm kidding. That did not happen at all. I thought you were. Uh, I was like, that sounds nice. Are we in Sweden? Um, what country is this about? Are we in... Uh, I, I can't think of another. Okay, another nice country. Um, I heard Sweden's nice and dark most of the year. So Perfect. Here we go. Let's go. Let's go. Be in the dark. Um, where are we? So, yeah. Okay. So the National Fire Chiefs Association is like... We got to do something. And uh, yes, something did happen 10 years later. Um, <laughs> America, get it together. Don't be like me and send your fucking Christmas presents on New Year's. New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. <laughs> I mean, hey. I might send them on New Year's. I might send them for Valentine's Day. You know what? You'll get them when Leave you fucking get them. You ungrateful bastards. Them, you might get them in three years. <laughs> It'll be surprised when they show up, which will be nice. Yeah. And they're going to show up in their emails, too. So no paper. Look at that. That's right. Saving trees. Saving a tree. Saving small businesses. Yeah. And going on a tangent far from this podcast. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I can't wait for that body oil. I can't wait either. (laughs) You're getting yourself stuff. That's great. So that's what the fucking season's about. You get... It's one for you, two for me. One right. for you, one for my partner that I could share <laughs> That's right. with her. That you like. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I want to know which one. Oh, That'd yeah. Right. We're okay. going to share. Oh, anyways. Okay. Where are we? Ah, okay. So Lyndon B. Johnson and his administration uh, began looking into making a single number happen. And this is in 1967. Uh, now let's take a pause and think of the context here. It's the 60s in America. Okay. Fun. It's a f- Crazy fucking time. Uh, Imagine you're crossing state lines to help further the civil rights movement or the queer movement or the women's fucking movement. Or you're just going to a concert because you're high or commuting to your college in the next town over. And if shit went down, who are you going to call, right? Uh, Surprise, surprise. America was getting modern in one way. And of course, in another, its fucking infrastructure sucked. Yeah. And sucks. Yeah. So... Would you like to read the next baby steps that were taken right there? There you go. I would love to. Okay, and quote, uh, a report to President Johnson's Commission on Law Enforcement and Administration of Justice suggested that uh, a single telephone number should be designated for callers to use in emergencies nationwide, or at least in major cities. (laughs) Okay. Uh, the, The report also recommended the police departments have two phone lines, one for emergencies and another for regular business calls. Uh, that way, callers looking uh, to report an emergency wouldn't be stuck on hold while the clerk helps someone who is simply looking for information. There you go. What a nice idea. Leaps and bounds. Um, so now that the government agreed with itself that one emergency <laughs> number would be handy, yeah. 
The, <laughs> Eureka! The Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, teamed up with the largest phone company at the time, AT&T, to figure out what the best number should be. So now they got to do the work. And finding, researching and doing all the, 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 the data and the crunching the numbers. <laughs> a year later, it took a year to come up. In 1968, it took a year to come up with wow. 911. Okay. And it was rolled out. So why these numbers? Well, it's short. Yeah. Fucking three numbers. Easy to remember. And it's even easier to remember uh, thanks to the two repeating numbers. Exactly. Two uh, of them are the same. <laughs> so it's... So really you only have to memorize two, two numbers. There you go. And also let's, let's go back into context. Uh, most phones in the U.S. were rotary in 1968. Uh, the landline with like a touchpad was invented in 1963, and it took like decades for the tanks that were these rotary phones to break and get replaced. Giant, you could kill someone with one of these uh, yeah. things. In fact, I think they have in many movies. <laughs> I think so. They have been used in weapons in old timey movies. Yes. Uh, now this does feel super weird, but we are going to describe a rotary phone because we're at that time and place. Uh, so for all you cute uh, zillennials out there, Marissa has been tasked to describe one. And I'm going to pull up a photo of an old-timey rotary. And why don't you take it away? All right. God damn so, it. So uh, Jill came to me a couple days ago asking how if I could describe a rotary phone uh, on this podcast. And I was like, yeah, I'll come up with two sentences. And I never did. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to do my best. All right. So it looks like a phone emoji. So like it's got the, uh, it's got the sort of, uh, scooped, you know, you handheld handle, handle mm-hmm. that you see in like hospitals now. And I think that's the only place you see these. Um, <laughs> and then at the base, um, is where the rotary part is. And it's essentially, essentially all the numbers that you need in a circle, Mm-hmm. And um, and then there's a like a I guess like a, a doorstop sort of spot. So what you have to do is you have to press your finger into one of the numbers and then pull it around the circle to the sort of doorstop place mm-hmm. and then let your finger go and then it will go back to where it was. So you have to do that. You have to go all the way around for each of those things. I don't know if that fully helped describe it. I highly recommend a YouTube video. Because yeah. at, at old times, I I've yeah. used I had one of these at my house because I saw one in a movie. And you wanted and one. And I wanted one. I asked oh, my yeah. dad. I think if mullets can come back into fashion, if people see these things, they're going to fucking want one. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Just like you said, you'd have to stick your finger in this number. Like, each ring is numbered from one to nine. Yeah. And then a zero. And then, yeah, you have to stick your finger in the ring and then pull it clockwise all the way till it stopped. Yeah. And I, then you let it go. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know why I called it a doorstop. It's essentially, what would you call that thing? That makes sense. It's a like, it just, it, it, yeah, it just ends there. It ends there. Yeah. And then, yeah. And imagine doing that for every, like seven times, essentially, if it's a full zip code plus your number, it just takes way too fucking long. Yeah. So uh, in an emergency, the emergency number had to be short for time's sake, right? Yeah. And the digits needed to be far apart. So if you were in a panic, you didn't insert your finger in the wrong place. And you'd have to like start all over again. Because exactly. you can't delete and shit. So um, nine and one on the dial are in opposite spaces. They're really far apart. And the number one is like closest to the end of that clockwise turn. So yeah. 
design wise, it's pretty pretty smart to use nine one one. Pretty on smart, a, and yeah. yeah, the one you don't have to go all the way around the circle, which is really yeah, convenient. It's the, it's the shortest distance on the dial. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, believe it or not, uh, there was a time Congress agreed on shit, and they supported 911 as wow. the national emergency number. Uh, and they figured out a way to pay for it, too. So, oh. holy shit. Quote, in order to make things fair uh, for telephone companies that needed to update their equipment and offices in order to handle the new 911 call system, the Bell system policy was created. The policy merged the cost of improvements into the basic rates that telephone companies charge their customers. End quote. So those Aww. are those little fees that you uh, that you got there. Look at that. Um, now awareness and trustworthiness were something of an issue, though. Mm. It, yeah, it took ten years for just a quarter of American citizens to dial nine one one in emergencies. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and in nineteen eighty nine, that number rose to fifty percent, and finally in nineteen ninety nine, ninety three percent of the country used nine one one. I thought it was going to be different. Like I thought people were going to be calling it for paper cuts and stuff like yeah hey can you come down here i'm kind of bleeding (laughs) so uh just as with anything i think uh, like your basic fear of like the local authorities i think which is like really understandable um americans have a they just don't trust anything the government does so they just didn't trust it until like the 90s wow yeah wow i know damn but Congratulations, America. You got got one number. You got one number and you just started using it. Uh, That's good. Uh, Mary, everything, use it. Use it. Use it like that body oil. Smear it. Actually, no, that's illegal. Don't do that. Don't do that. Use it wisely. Use it wisely. Use it how you would use a very expensive body oil, which is not really at all. It just kind of sits on your dresser with its cute packaging. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't call the cops. Unless then there's like a hot date you have to go on and and then use it. (laughs) That's right. When you can finally go outside. Yeah. Uh, After the break, we're going to eat some fried chicken in Japan. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Stay tuned. Do it. And we're back. We're back. And we're leaving the United States. At last. Finally. Thank God. Good. Uh, We're going to be traveling around the world and ending our socially distanced holiday spectacular in Japan, uh, where we'll be waiting online to pick up our party barrel of fried chicken and other goodies. Yes, it's Christmas time in the land of the rising sun. Amazing. I also have never heard the term party barrel used. There you go. We're going to get into that. I'm pumped. Mm. Give me that party barrel. (laughs) I can't wait. Uh, I think that would really take off in America. We just, you know, the word barrel and party. It's taking off right now. It's (laughs) happening. This is going to be a meme or whatever on TikTok in, in 30 minutes. I fucking hope so. Uh, so this party barrel of fried good- goodness is offered by no other colonel than the colonel, Colonel Sanders, yeah. uh, quoting atlasobscura.com, quote, this year, millions of Americans. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow. Fucking that up. We are. N- yeah. OK. So quoting atlasobscura.com. <laughs> so self-centered. Jesus Christ. This year, <laughs> this year, millions of people across Japan, Japan will celebrate Christmas around buckets of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Families will order party barrels weeks in advance, complete with this year's offering of coleslaw, shrimp gratin, triple berry terry masu cake, and of course, fried chicken. 
Santa-clad Colonel Sanders statues will stand at attention outside storefronts, grinning mutely through December, as KFC Japan sales multiply tenfold, earning the chain a third of its annual income. What? The corporate promotion is one of Japan's longest-standing Christmas traditions. Okay, and let's quote. pause for a second. Yeah. I... Do KFCs in America have shrimp gratin or uh, triple berry tiramisu? I do not think so. I would go to KFC <laughs> much more often <laughs> if they had those things. That sounds amazing. Know, we we got to write them an email. We got to get this party barrel. God damn it. Here. Unless it's already here and I'm just, I, I'm like fried chicken <laughs> ignorant or something. Fried chicken ignorant. <laughs> Drunk on fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so how did the well-known American fast food chain convince an entire Japanese nation to buy buckets of chicken around a holiday where only 1% of the population identifies as Catholic? Um, well, it all started back in the wacky 70s. Of course it did. Sure did. Jeez. <laughs> Specifically at the 1970 World Expo in Osaka, mm. where a middle-aged budding entrepreneur named Takishi Okawara was looking for inspiration. Mm. Uh, lo, among the expo tables, he saw a cutout of the old man colonel and immediately knew his calling. Quote, Okawara was smitten by the late stage success of the company's founder, Harlan Sanders. A, re- a restless businessman himself, Okawara was humbled by the jovial American who job hopped into his 60s before hitting it big time with his first KFC. Oh, oh. Yeah. Well, that's a sweet way of describing it. I know, it's very sweet. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love anything with the word jovial. Jovial. Uh, Okawara became the first store owner and manager of a KFC. Look at that. And not only the first, but the only fucking KFC in Japan at the time. Wow. Uh, so how did it go? Would you like to give us a peek into the early days uh, of this one and only lonely KFC? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so... The KFC that Okawara opened in uh, Na- Nagoya in 1970 failed so miserably that Okawara was left nearly homeless, oh, sleeping yeah. on sacks of flour in the kitchen to save rent. Uh, the red and white striped roof and English signage confused pedestrians. No one knew what the hell they were selling. Okawara told household name they'd come in and say, is this a barber? Are you selling chocolate? I know. Oh, I know. Okawara! I know. No! And quote, so it wasn't going well until December rolled around and some tourists walked into his store. Uh, they were nostalgic for a Christmas turkey, but no turkey could be found on the island. Mm-mm. Okawara had a eureka moment. Uh, quoting the BBC.com, quote, Okawara hoped a Christmas dinner of fried chicken could be a fine substitute, so he began marketing his party barrel as a way to celebrate the holiday. I love End that. Quote. Yeah. I love that. Now, this dude was a one-man marketing machine that literally started at the very bottom, dressing up as Santa at kids' parties. Wow. Yeah. He danced and sang and handed out fried chicken to kids. And you guessed it, the kids were hooked on the fat and the jingles. Of course they were. Of course they were. Do you want kids to love you? Fat and jingles. Fat and jingles. Uh, Word got around about the fun-loving, tap-dancing, fried-food-slinging Santa, not only in Japan, but made its way to the American headquarters, who saw a new market, a market they thought they would never reach. So in 1974... 
KFC took Okawara's party barrels to the airwaves, and commercials showed happy Japanese families enjoying their reunion around buckets of chicken, and most important, limited special edition luxury packages that made you feel a little extra, a little extra something, you know? Now, can you describe the options and the many levels of party barrels? Absolutely. In my very very blurry photo here. No, it's it's quite a lot. It's quite overwhelming. Okay. So it looks like we've got one, two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, Mm. uh, different options they vary from everything from like uh this the aforementioned tiramisu that's still confusing me um (laughs) with like it looks like six pieces in cold slot uh to one there is a premium series which looks like is that a is that a rotisserie chicken it looks like yeah so it's a whole chicken uh roasted very nice um that's right. There's just a ton of different like sort of options. There are like bigger ones, smaller ones. Uh, uh, it's great. Yeah, it's even like a little Christmas wine situation. There is that a wine? I think it's a, yeah, it's like a wine. A Christmas wine. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think they should bring this to America. It's I think it would be a great idea. Very cute. Uh, so the campaign filled a void, if you will, uh, as the air quotes rest of the world seemingly celebrated holidays throughout December, Japan now had the opportunity to partake in their own way. Uh, KFC coined, all right, I have to speak Japanese here. So they coined Kurisumasu Niwa Kentucky or Kentucky for Christmas. Oh, that was the... That I love the, that. Yeah, so that was the marketing, and it nice. flooded it flooded the airwaves year after year, and worked its magic or manipulation, however you mm-hmm. view it. Uh, Okawara single handedly grew KFC from one store in 1970 to 600 locations by 1986. Holy shit! All thanks to like Okawara. these fucking party, yeah, these yeah, party barrels. Party barrels. Uh, KFC was like, "Yo, you're making so many people happy and making us so much money." So, you are now hereby president and CEO of Kentucky Fried Chicken Japan. He <laughs> promoted, yeah, he ran, like, the Japanese section of, uh, whatever the fuck, my, department. My, my jaw is on the floor and has <laughs> been for, ever since you mentioned that. Wow! Yeah. Oh, good Lord, fuck yeah, you did it! <laughs> he did it! Yeah, and he uh, was the president and CEO until 2002, when I think he retired. Uh, so, yeah, one Man's crazy, nearly impossible-seeming dream led to millions of people pre-ordering, waiting hours online, and Instagramming their party barrels, uh, Christmas cakes and Christmas wine. Mm. Hashtag KFC Christmas is a big fucking thing. Give it a search. Uh, tradition, repetition, and fried food make people happy. Um, fuck yeah. Dr. Nathan Hopson, professor of Japanese history at the University of Nagoya. Uh, he takes the psychological theory a little further. If you could read for us from atlasobscura.com. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Christmas has an association with a kind of exotic and romantic view of the West uh, that is entirely divorced from history, religion, or any other inconvenient facts. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, glad we're pointing that out. Um, Dr. Hobson also points out that because uh, so few, if any, Japanese homes feature ovens, buying takeout uh, chicken 
fits the Christmas, ja uh, Christmas Japanese mold. Christmas cakes and KFC make sense both in terms of the constraints of typical Japanese home uh, and as empty symbols like Christmas itself into which everyone can pour their own hopes and dreams. Wow. There you go. Yeah. And wow. that's kind of like what you were doing in the beginning. You were just, when you were like clawing at the wall for nice words. To, to, there we go. <laughs> I think that was the meaning of Christmas. That's it's it. a hole that we fill. That's um, exactly. We're just filling that void, baby. Filling a void with chicken. That's right. And that's right. <laughs> filling that void with chicken. That's what Christmas is about. Yeah. And I hope this season you find your own way uh, with the people you love responsibly socially distanced yeah and whatnot so yeah that's the end of this fucking marry everything i love it that's i love it. it fill your void that's right um you deserve it you deserve you deserve chicken and soap that smells like whiskey um yeah and uh butter yourself up butter yourself up you guys are amazing and stay interesting please do <laughs>